0: Brought to you by the Mutual Audio Network. Don't leave home without it.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance.
2: All better audio. We're not just good. We're all better. Attention! Attention. This is a production from the 40777, making audio sound all better. Better. that is all.
1: What you're about to hear is a newly written companion piece to Sherlock Holmes and the Taxi Problem. It is called Dr. Watson and the Unwelcome Critique, written by Vince Staden.
0: Come in, Mrs. Hudson.
1: D- Dr. Watson?
0: I'm in here, Mrs. Hudson. Do come in, please, and. Wait! Would you mind saying my name again, please?
1: Oh, not at all. Uh... <coughs> Dr. Watson?
0: Ah! Yes, as I suspected. You are not Mrs. Hudson. What have you done with her, you fiend? The good woman was about to
1: bring me breakfast,
0: and I'm starving.
1: D- uh... Your landlady asked me to deliver a message to you, if it might be permitted to come in. A message? How peculiar.
0: I don't suppose the message comes with a full tray of hot breakfast? Oh, no. Uh, Look, might I... Yes, you'd better come in. But I warn you, I am armed. Mr. Fotherwill... "'What brings you here from the offices of Strand Magazine?'
1: "'Good morning, Dr. Watson. Uh, uh, "'Thank you for permitting me to come and see you, finally. "'I I confess my own annoyance at being left outside your door "'for such a tedious exchange of greetings. "'I was beginning to wonder if it was entirely commonplace "'for a visitor, uh, an illustrious client, perhaps, "'or or Scotland Yard detective, perchance, "'to to transact their sensitive business in such an eccentric fashion.' Uh, Furthermore, I would like to ask you to please immediately desist from pointing that gun at Uh, me. Yes, of course, do excuse me. It is wise to always be on one's guard in my
0: line of business. One never knows what horrors one might be faced with next. Ravenous spectral hounds that rip men to pieces. Deadly snakes. Murderous pygmies. Exploding clowns. Professor Moriarty. The other Professor Moriarty's. Scorpions. Assassins. Ex-wives. But of course, as my literary editor, you are well aware of all of this. Uh,
1: Quite. And it is in my capacity as editor for Strand Magazine that brings me to your rooms today. Oh? Oh,
0: You have acquiesced to my quite reasonable request for a 200% increase in
1: fees.
0: (laughs) At last, after all these years. Oh, that is most welcome news.
1: This calls for a drink. No. No. no, uh, I'm afraid I'm not here to inform you of a raise in your fees uh, quite the opposite. Oh, uh, no raise?
0: That's most disappointing. I need a drink. Uh, care to join me,
1: Mr. Fotherwell? It is only eight-fifteen in the morning. <laughs> Isn't it a trifle early to be drinking <clears throat> spirits? Oh, not for me. I have a robust constitution. I think I'll have another. Are you sure you won't have one? Quite sure. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Now, before I address the matter which brings me here, perhaps I had better quickly pass on the message I received from your landlady? Of
0: course, Mr. Fotherwell, of course. Uh, Feel free to pass it on to whomever you
1: please. The message? In
0: however a manner you wish to convey it. You might print the message in
1: Strand Magazine, or send a telegram, or enlist carrier pigeons, The message is for you, Dr. Watson. And since I am here in the room with you, and since I have quite ably demonstrated my abilities to verbally communicate with you, I think it would be simpler if I just tell you the message. And it is this. You owe three months' rent. Until it is paid in full, there will be no breakfast or any other meal, beverage, or urgent telegram from Scotland Yard delivered to your rooms. Three months' rent?
0: No meals delivered?!
1: I need a drink. And now that we have dispensed with that trifle (coughs) business, I... Please do not mention trifles, Mr.
0: Fotherwell, or indeed any other food. My stomach could not bear the disappointment.
1: I shall do my best to avoid mentioning food, Dr. Watson. I stake my reputation on it. (laughs) Stake? Forgive me. Let us move swiftly on to more fruitful matters. (laughs) Fruit? Dr. Watson... Strand Magazine has been publishing your Sherlock Holmes stories for many years now, and... Look, would you mind closing the windows? I'm finding it a bit difficult to concentrate. It's rather chilly in here. Oh, chilly. Thank you. As I was saying, we have adopted a new and much more rigorous uh, editorial policy at Strand Magazine, and I'm afraid to say I'm going to have to ask you to be much more careful much more precise with the details and facts of your stories. I take it you have no objection to this. I'm sorry I wasn't listening.
0: When I closed the window, I caught a glimpse of the Langham Hotel across the street, and my mind wandered. I was imagining myself sat at a table at the Langham's first-rate dining room, about to tuck into a sumptuous three-course meal. Has the Langham Hotel moved overnight? No, of course not. You can't just move one of London's most prestigious hotels in the course of an evening. That would be
1: impossible. Have you lost your mind, Mr. Fotherwell? Drinking too much, perhaps? I was about to inquire such a thing of you, Doctor. For the Langham Hotel is not now, and has never been situated opposite this house. Uh, it isn't? Uh, no. Well, where is it, then? The Langham Hotel is, as the name suggests, is on Langham Street. Oh. Yes, now you come to mention it. You're absolutely right. I don't know what I was thinking.
0: The lack of food perhaps caused a temporary lapse in concentration. I'll have a drink. That will help sharpen my senses.
1: It is precisely this sort of inattention to fact that is the root of the problem with your Sherlock Holmes stories and which I must insist must be immediately addressed if Stratton Magazine is to continue publishing them. What are you saying? Are you suggesting that there are factual errors in the stories I submit to you? That is
0: precisely what I am saying. Then you are talking nonsense, Mr. Fotherwell. Complete and utter tripe. Hm, tripe. You see, sir, I was actually there with Mr. Sherlock Holmes, offering my invaluable assistance and expert opinions throughout all the cases I have submitted for publication, whereas you, sir, were not there. You weren't there, were you? No, no, you were not there. Nobody from Strand Magazine was there. Only I was there. Me, sir, Dr. Watson. I am therefore uniquely placed to record for posterity the details of these cases, and, and further... Furthermore, only I can know with absolute certainty what qualifies as fact and what does not. (laughs) Excuse me.
1: So what do you have to say about that? I do not doubt that you were assisting Mr. Sherlock Holmes in these cases. I merely cast suspicion on the accuracy of your reportage of them. This is ridiculous, and I need a drink. Let us take as an example the case you submitted to us under the title of uh, the Adventure of the Second Stain. What about it? You persist that it is a truly factual account of what happened? Every word, every comma! Uh, The Second Stain is set entirely in London, is it not? And the case pertains to sensitive governmental matters... Absolutely Well, perhaps you could tell me why it details Towns and streets that don't exist anywhere in England And politicians who have never held office in this country uh, Um, Hang about,
0: uh, let, me, let me think uh, I'd better
1: have a drink, it helps my memory And then there was the Jefferson <laughs> Hope murder case oh. Where you first met Sherlock Holmes Do you recall it? Yes, I recall it with perfect clarity like it was this morning. It is the morning. You titled this one A Study in Scarlet. Oh, good title, that.
0: Catchy. I was thinking about a sequel. A Study in Aubergine.
1: In A Study in Scarlet, the villain of the piece, Mr. Jefferson Hope, refuses to come to 221 B. Baker Street because he suspects, quite rightly, that a trap has been laid for him by the cunning "'Sherlock Holmes.' "'Yeah, that's right, yes. "'A suspicious fellow he was, Jefferson Hope.' "'Was he also suffering from amnesia?' "'No, of course not.' "'Well, then how do you explain the fact "'that 24 hours later he seemingly "'forgets all his suspicions "'and turns up at 221 B. Baker Street?' "'Oh.' "'Moreover, Jefferson Hope, "'half dead by an aneurysm, "'recovers instantly "'and needs to be restrained "'by four men.' I can only assume that in addition to his amnesia, he suddenly developed inexplicable superhuman abilities. Perhaps you yourself are possessed of remarkable physiological qualities. (laughs)
0: Well, there are one or two young ladies who might well say so. (laughs) Uh, But why do you ask?
1: I ask if your body is unique because I can think of no other explanation as to why the Giselle bullet with which you were wounded in the campaign in Afghanistan seems to move from your shoulder as you report in one story to your leg as you report in another and then your Achilles tendon, as reported in a third story. Uh, I, I see. Well, uh, <clears throat> uh, I can explain that one. Uh, let me muse on the matter as I have a drink. Perhaps while you muse on that matter, you might also give consideration to a few others, such as the rather bizarre way June jumps into September within a few hours in the sign of the four. Uh, does it? Gosh, uh. Well, that's a, uh, well, hmm. or the fact that your wife doesn't seem to know your name and insists on calling you James. What? Wh- which wife? Uh, uh, Doctor Watson, your, your Sherlock Holmes stories are riddled with errors of continuity, blunders of narrative, and sloppy, not to say, downright dishonest reportage of the facts. And yet, and yet, you still maintain that you are reporting them faithfully. Based on your notes. Tell me, Dr. Watson, do you often drink when you are writing? Well, yes, of course. It helps get the creative juices flowing and all that. Well, then,
0: that would explain everything. I'm not sure that it does. And I'm not sure I care for your tone. In fact, yes, fact, in fact, I am not sure I care for you one bit, Mr. Fotheringham. Fatherwell. Ha! You burst into our rooms without so much as a by or leave, threatening me with no breakfast, refusing to give me a raise, ordering me to disarm myself, and raiding my Tantalus. You accuse me of dishonesty, sloppiness, moving an hotel from one location to another, and having a remarkable body. None of which is remotely true. No, hang on, the last bit is true, the, the, the body thing, but the rest is complete and utter twaddle of the highest order. Now, I have a blinding headache, a rumbling stomach, and an urge to reach for my revolver and march you out the door at gunpoint. Oh dear, I, I'm afraid I have enraged you. Now, you have done more than enraged me, Mr. Fotherbum. Father well. You have made me
1: extremely angry. Uh, isn't that what enraged means? Well, you should know, sir, seeing as you are an editor. I do know, and it does. Oh, well then. I think this sort of jape has gone too far. I can only apologize, Dr. Watson. Jape? What do you mean? And I did ask you to stop mentioning food. I wasn't aware there was such a foodstuff as jape.
0: But no, you're right, I meant grape. I got confused for a moment when... When
1: I was uh, enraged. When you were extremely angry, you mean? Yes,
0: then. But I have composed myself and I shall feel much better after a drink and an explanation.
1: You say this is all some kind of jape? Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, A practical joke. I was asked to come here this morning and play a little jape on you. I do apologize. It was never my intention to uh, enrage you. Uh, Who asked you to do this? What kind of cruel and heartless fiend would put you up to this and deny a man a peaceful breakfast? Uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Holmes? Holmes? He paid me handsomely and assured me that you would take this thing in good spirits. In fact, he said that you would almost certainly be likely to literally take the thing in good spirits and wagered that you would help yourself to at least six full glasses of scotch. Did he indeed? The swine? Well, he is wrong, for I have had ten full glasses of scotch. He said you would say that, and he also asked me to inform you that he has been watering down the scotch, meaning that uh, ten full glasses is really only six.
0: Damn him! But wait, the message from Mrs. Hudson, was that part of the rules? Uh, no, uh, that was genuine. Oh, this is terrible! I owe three months' rent, and worse, have to forego
1: breakfast! However, I am pleased to be able to tell you that the Strand Magazine has gladly agreed to increase your fee by 200%. Really? You really mean it? For real? <coughs> On the condition that you avail yourself of a thesaurus. <laughs> that, uh, was a joke. Two hundred percent? Backdated. Uh, I have the check with me. This is... I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to thank you. Well, you could offer
0: to buy me breakfast. A splendid idea. Breakfast at the Langham. But first, let's have a drink.
1: Dr. Watson and the Unwelcome Critique was written by Vince Staden, starring Ellie Hirschman as Dr. John H. Watson and Victor Aurelius as Mr. Fatherwell. Produced and directed by Jeff Niles, music by Alan Morin and First Calm. Copyright the 4077th and All Better Audio 2014. Brand new Misadventures of Sherlock Holmes are coming soon.
0: I think I'll have another. Are you sure you won't have one? Oh, look! The Langham Hotel is moving!
2: This has been an all-better audio production. This production was stitched together by, by the, the Moral Make s- 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 making the audio, audio sound, sound all-better. not understand advertising do you get your merchandise today with the official cowlet design created by jeff music buying lots of them would bring music to my ears oh stop